0: down which is horror in japan everyone is so paranoid about fire everything is so close together and made of wood you have to report to the Hokkenjo every two months and you have to track and trace guest movements so where they're coming from where they're going to so this is because it's all managed by the health department and they want to you know track diseases and stuff this is pre this is pre 2020 Um, We have to look after, so we have to find the nationalities of guests, the dates, and we have to report every two months. So, here are the types of licenses. So, this is a shared room. This is if you just rent out a room in your house. So, you live there. This is the easiest type of license to get. It's 180-day maximum. That's the easiest one. There's the full property. Um, There, if you live close nearby... Um, or you need a licensed country and you need retrofitting for the safety certificate. So there's a bunch of like fire alarms you have to do Um, and don't get me started on fireproof carpets and fireproof curtains. It is is a minefield Um, and it's slightly harder to get. Again, you're still limited to the 180 days. If you're in a coup that allows you 180 days or less. So that's your maximum that you can have. And then there's also the Rio license 365 days, no limits, but it's the hardest to get because you really do need to be in a commercial zone. Tokyo Family Stays, we do, we pretty much do every, all of this. So, um, and I'll get into the different the different business models in a minute. So, post-2018 licensing, there was a big drop in numbers. A lot of the people who thought, oh, it's all too hard, I'm not going to... Um, you know, I, I'm not going to be able to do this anymore. I can't be bothered, get, you know, filling out all the paperwork. And so a lot of people left the market, and which meant there was a lot less competition. Um, also, a lot of uh, mansion buildings had specifically put it in their, their Kumeyaay bylaws that no short-term rentals at all Um, And so if you are buying a property, please take care of those, um, doing your due diligence on the Kumeyaay rules. But there was, at at this time as well, there was a rise in professional operators and property managers like me. So we made a very conscious decision at this time. Are we going to go, is this, we're all in with this? Then we need to do it properly. We need to get all our ducks in a row and then we need to, to be fully compliant. But it also allowed you to really dig into some market segmentation and niches. Um, Not all Minpaku is the same, um, and I'll get into that a little bit later, but really knowing who you serve and what you do is the key to having a very successful Minpaku business. Um, The market matured, and this is a sign of market maturity. And also with that, because everyone was now professional, there was a lot more community acceptance. There's also a Rise of Reaulkan license for single dwellings. So in my house, I have a hotel license for one room in my house. And um, I'll explain that a bit more. So you think, oh, my goodness, I have a hotel. Yes, I have a hotel in my house. Um, (laughs) So, but if you get a real kind license, you don't need you don't have to report it, and you you can rent for three sixty five days a year. So this is really if you're being if you want to you know squeeze all the profit you can, then you want one of these real kind of licenses. So twenty twenty, um, uh, this is what this is what we went through. We were we had a massive massive. Um, Set of bookings throughout throughout 2020. Um, when we first started getting cancellations around Chinese New Year around the end of January, we were going, what's this? What's this nonsense? Um, then the Tokyo Marathon was cancelled in February. Hanami was then cancelled. Tokyo family stays lost a million dollars in 3 weeks for confirmed bookings i sat on the floor with a bottle of vodka in my hand <laughs> <laughs> and didn't know what was going on i've since had therapy so i'm fine it's all good then the olympics were postponed and it was just a, it was just a general shit show it was just like really what else are you going to throw at me come on so uh, so we you know we hunkered down we hungered down from 2020 to 2022. We, we decided what we were going to close. We, we, uh, we closed a lot. We pivoted. Um, and Now, here we are. So since 2022, there's been a rebound. If you've spent any time on the streets of Shibuya, you cannot walk without falling over 5 billion tourists, all those damn Mario Karts. Oh my God, (laughs) (laughs) they are death traps. so there was such a pent-up demand, especially because a lot of people missed out on the Olympics, missed out on their travel. Um, and uh, so it's just been crazy since then. And I'm really bullish about this continuing. We're not quite at 2019 levels, um, and I haven't yet earned back my million dollars of lost bookings, but I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Um, but the first entrance in uh, before, before the full... Um, Uh, borders opening in in October were really the the business people because they were, remember, they were locked out too. People who had legitimate business visas were locked out. They were the first ones to be allowed back in, and then in October, the general tourists. So this is, I need a little break. So this is end of part one. Did anyone have any questions about my history lesson? There will be a test. (laughs) Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Question of interest. You different types of hotels. What about love hotels? Love hotels. So, this is a question all the different types of hotels. A love hotel actually is a licensed hotel. Sorry? Love the question was. What type of um, what type of regulations do love hotels fall under? They are actually hotels. So um, places like the Hilton and the Hyatt, they are all under the um, the Inns the Inns Act, which I had written down before. Um, the hotels, they are love hotels, uh, are actual hotels, the same as the Hilton and the Hyatt. Believe it or not, um, they fall under. You have to do a lot of things like. Um again, fireproofing, you have to have a lot of um you have to have a front desk that's full time. There's a whole there's a whole bunch of regulations for for those types of hotels. So that's why you that's why there's all those little ladies at the front, oh, I've heard. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> with their with their hands grabbing the grabbing the, you know, grabbing the money as they go through. So let's just dig into what it actually looks like to run a Minpaku business. Now, there are a number of different ways. There is no one right way to run a Minpaku business. Um, There is no one blueprint. Um, So I feel a bit of an interloper. This is a real estate uh, conference. I don't consider myself in real estate. I'm a hospitality operator. Um, I happen to use real estate for my business, Um, but I'm not buying and selling and investing in real estate. Um, I just see it as a vehicle for me to run my business. So I'm going to cover all of these asset classes and what it looks like for these individual um, individual types of operations. Um, if you're an owner operator, property manager, co-hosting, rental arbitrage, maybe a new word for you there will be a test, um, and also midterm rentals, which is anything over uh, 28 days. There is also a lot of peripheral possibilities. So these are ways that you can earn money in the Minpaku um, in, uh, ecosystem without actually being a Minpaku host. So there's a lot of upselling, cross-selling, and also collaboration with third-party vendors. So this is the easiest to understand. Um, so there's house hacking, which I personally do, um, which is when you have when you live in a say a duplex um, or a nisetai um, or you have a room share. So this is where you live there, you next door or in the same building. You are renting out to people who are not your family. This is great. Also, if you have a second house, a beach house or a ski lodge. Terry Rafters, so I'm looking at you. Um, And this is where, if you're an owner operator, you control all parts of the business yourself. You work as much or as little as you like. Sorry, I've lost my pictures underneath the the words, underneath the pictures. But the thing is you keep 100% of your profits. So this is one way to run a business, run, run this business. Property management. So again, I'm a property manager. Um, I'm a licensed property manager. They're called minpaku kandis. You have to, again, you have to jump through a few hoops, um, declare that you're not insane, which that's something you actually need to do when you get your licensing. You have to go to a notary and you have to put up your hand and swear that you're not insane and that you're not bankrupt. <laughs> Someone stamps it. Um, you pay them the money and then you walk away with your little piece of paper and give it and take it to get the rest of the licensing done. It's this weird thing about Japanese business law. Um, it's just it's hilarious. Um, but a minpaku Kanri will do the revenue management um, to maxim- make sure that you're pricing it correctly based on market forces. Um, they will also look after guest acquisition, how you are getting your guests, whether that's through an OTA channel whether that's direct, um, by referral. There's a ton of ways to get guests. doesn't have to be through Airbnb. Hence, I don't call, I don't say I work for Airbnb. I use them as one of my channels. Um, I'm very grateful that they're there. And also the, the property manager will also look after the guest experience, how happy the guests are. Um, how well they review you, et cetera. So if you're an owner and you hire a property manager to look after your property, you usually pay a commission on the top line revenue and it's a percentage of gross. So it's just a percentage of sales. And then the, the owner will then pay utilities the set up the furniture, they will, they will take care of that. The property manager takes care of all of the rest of the above. And it's good if you want to be hands-off. You're not interested in all of that That uh, mucking around with guests, the general public who smell. So, um, um, and it, you, can, you can be part-time or full-time. So this is, you know, as an, if you're an owner investor, then um, this is what you do when you work with a property manager. If you're a property manager, you have to do all of the above. Another way to run a business is to be a co-host. So again, you would work with a licensed property manager or if you are a licensed property manager. um, And that's the same as the previous slide. And you would go on a profit share. So it's a percentage of your net profits. So costs like utilities, setting up furniture. um, There are classes of business cost. And you need to talk to your accountant about taxes I'm not your person if that's what you need and the owner again will set up everything but they will own the furniture and they will do all of the other um all of the other things to set it up for the uh, the guests that you're trying to attract and it's part-time so this is great so we work with co-hosts um so perhaps the owner might live abroad they come back they use their house three six months of the year and again that's great because 180 day limit you can get a license, use your house for 180 days. The other 180 days, it's a profit center for you. So we have a we have a couple of clients that we work with this way. Now, rental arbitrage. So I don't know if people know what arbitrage is. In some countries, that's called rent to rent. In simplest terms, it's basically subletting so um but it has a fancy word um if you look online so this is how i started remember i started off with a single unit i rented it as a second house i paid the costs first uh, and then anything i earned over and above that that was mine thank you very much um so you have to do a contract directly with an owner Finding a friendly owner that will do this is, that's the trick of the game. Finding someone who will trust you to do this because they need to sign off. If you're getting a license, the owner of the property will need to 100% sign off to say that they have approved, that you as the tenant will be, uh, will be running a Minpaku and um, it's part of your license requirements. So you have to tick a lot of boxes when you go and get your license. There are high setup fees because you have to pay those upfront costs. And as you know, getting a Chintai loan here, a chintai uh, contract here, there is first and first and last first and last month, guarantor, agency fees, it's, it's it's a lot of outlay at the beginning. Plus, you're up for the furniture, the linens, the consumables. It's all you. And the profit you, that you keep is between the costs, all of those costs, and the earnings high risk, high return. I tend to run on a seven-day seven-day cycle. Seven days, I've paid all of my costs, the fixed costs. The next seven days, I'm paying my variable costs, my staff, my cleaners, my salaries. The next 14 days of the month, thank you, that's mine. That's profit, 100%. So, um, if you're a good marketer, if you're good at filling your property, if you're good at keeping your revenue management up, it is a very uh, lucrative business. But you don't need to own the property, which is good, because you don't need to go through all of the jump through all the hoops with with the to, to get properties. Um, but then you you have to make, be making the cash on a month to month because you're getting no appreciation, no other benefit. So yes, it has to be an interesting business proposal. I'm going on uh, no I'm going to I'm on going on 365 right. because um, I get I get hotel licenses Oh so the question is am i set, because i have a very rough when i when i do my back of the envelope calculations do i take this property do i not take this property i want to i want to be paying all of my costs from my projected revenues within 7 days so that's my sunk costs i want to be using the next 7 days of revenue to cover my variable costs and then the the, file, the final 14 days to this is a very rough but I use it when I'm assessing properties to see whether or not I want them. Um, at the beginning, when I first started in 12, 10, 12 years ago, I was grabbing any property I can. So I was not under regulations. But, um, it was wild, wild west. I was grabbing everything I could because things were just pumping. I couldn't keep. I couldn't keep enough. Properties opening to fill. (laughs) They were just filling. Sorry, did I explain that right? Every time I'd open a property within three hours of listing it, I would have bookings. It would just be, it was mad. It was absolutely mad. Um, I'm a lot more discerning now um, about which properties to take. Um, But, yes, I work on 365 days because that's my business. There's no point me having a property if I for full time if I can't be renting at 365 days, or if I work with a co-host who uses it for three to six months of the year. So that's the other that's the other option. So I'm looking at around about, I want 100% occupancy if I have access to that property. Midterm rentals, this is how I fill up. Um, once I've hit 180 days, this is how I fill up the other 180 days. I'm focusing on midterm rentals. So it's a typical, it's a month-to-month, we're targeting digital nomads, we're targe- targeting summer sabbaticals, so professors that are here for a month to six weeks, um, doing summer inter- you know, summer internships, relocations is a big market, um, contract workers, people that are here for three to six months, thank you. <laughs> um, Rob, you, with all of the, the guests that you've put in with me for contract workers, so um, uh, you don't need to have a MIMPACA license when you're running and uh, when you're running midterm rentals. There is, it's a typical lower monthly income, but it's less work clearly because you don't have in and out all the time. But the challenge is how to find your guests. So that's a Marketing is a whole different seminar, which I won't get into in this. I just wanted to really cover the the, the baseline of what it what a minpaku business looks like. Marketing and revenue management is a whole other beast. You can call me on that. So, let's talk money. How much money are we actually talking about? Um, so, this is. This is my magic spreadsheet. If you want a copy of my magic spreadsheet, which I cover everything from a studio apartment through to a seven bedroom house, I have done all of the projections on this, just contact me. This is just an example. If you want to set up a two bedroom, it will cost you approximately 1.1, 1.9, sorry, 1.19 million yen. That's when you factor in furniture, moving costs, utilities, linens, yada yada. That's about average what it costs me to set up a two bedroom. Utilities will be higher. So this is a variable, these are the variable costs. So we have um, utilities, internet, um, management, p- maintenance. Um, so factor in that your utilities will be much higher than if you were living there directly. So we're looking at about, again, 2.5 a year, 2.5 million a year. What can you earn? So I in my magic spreadsheet, I have low, mid and high end. So low end, they're your budget travelers. Middle of the road, uh, it will be like a property that maybe is not downtown Tokyo, that's sort of maybe a, a little bit further out in the western suburbs. High end, we're looking at luxury. So this is the average of what I would... this is from my opinion, please. This is from my opinion um, about what is the earning potential for a two bedroom. So first year profit, first year profit takes into consideration your sunk fees, and then the second year profit take you know you don't have those sunk fees. So on a luxury high a luxury high end um, two bedroom possible monthly income that this is this is profit here is six hundred thousand yen. That's pretty tasty. Um, that's not a two bedroom. Then we get into then we get into houses, big houses. So um, low end, small, little cottage. Um, high end is a luxury property. Um, yeah, if you do your revenue right, if you know how to, if you know how to fill your property, if you once you've got your licenses and you know how to, you know how to do it. This is what you can be earning. Hands up. Hello. Do you find that your four bedrooms you stay more um, booked? Location- Do I find that the two bedrooms or four bedrooms um, are stay more booked? Uh, uh, occupancy. So either two bedroom or four bedroom? Um, it depends. <laughs> it depends. depends on location. It depends on how you fitted it out, and it depends how you've written your listing, and it depends on your marketing. So um, but you look at the people that are that are coming into town, their families. I am at Tokyo Family Stays, we are really gunning after a big family or two families traveling together. There is not many in this four-bedroom range. I won't touch a studio. There's too many out there, and there's not enough margin in there, and also. When there's too many of them, it's such a price. It's such a price dependent um, model. When you at high end there's a lot there's a, there's a lot uh, there's fewer properties out there um, so you're more in demand. Um, and you're a lot less price sensitive when you're at that end. So I always what we've found, the the guests that we love are the ones who are big family groups., uh, it takes the same amount of work to look after guests in a four bedroom house as it does in a studio, if, you, if you're if you doing it right. So I'm gonna work on the upper end because that's a better exchange of my resources for revenue. But I just wanted to, if you're an investor and you're looking at the difference between short term and long term rentals, long term rentals is passive. It's completely passive. There is a low turnover of tenants it's un, they're, they're unfurnished usually, you don't, you know, you don't furnish a long-term rental, it's low maintenance, you're hands off, and you have, if there is a lot of small units, if you're buying a building, and Ziv will talk about this a bit later, he has, a, he has his own magic spreadsheet, um, if you have a lot of, a, 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 sorry, a building with a lot of small studios, you have a much better ROI if you do long-term rental than short-term rental. I've done the numbers, and I'm happy to show them to you. Um, but rent is your only revenue source, and it's an investment. With short-term rental, it is not passive income. It is a full-time job. You have a high turnover of guests, meaning you have to keep a lot of people very happy. With all of that entails, you have to furnish it. You have to include utilities. It's high maintenance. You more bedrooms, better returns, I hope that answers your question. If you have more bedrooms, there are more returns. You need licences. A lot of hoops to jump through. But there are a lot of ways where where you can earn additional revenue on top of the nightly rate. So let me just give you some myth busting. A lot of people think that minpaku is a cheap hotel substitute. I'm here to say no for that and that nightly rate is your only source of income, or that your neighbors will hate you. That's the myths that are out there. Perhaps you have those yourself. And this is my trigger. Every time I hear this, Minpaku is passive income, it gives me the, like, it gives me the, like a twitchy. It's like, <laughs> it's absolutely not. And I can show you all of our systems and processes that, that prove that it is not passive income. Minpaku isn't a substitute for a hotel. And let me tell you why. Not every traveller is wanting a Minpaku experience. Um, it's And not every guest is a good fit for the different hospitality styles. And not every group dynamic is good for each listing. So when I'm travelling myself, there are times where I choose a short-term rental and there are times where I want a hotel. It's It depends why you're travelling and what you're wanting to do. So, um, <laughs> They're different products. They are, um, you know, they provide different services. Um, when you are doing a Mimpaku in a neighborhood, then you are showing a guest what it's like to live like a local um, and to show them what it's like to understand the DNA of the city that they're in, which you don't get in a hotel, right? And that's okay, they're different products. They serve different purposes. I'm not here to say that Minpaku is 100% 100%, fantastic and uh, hotels are not. They serve different purposes. Let's move through this a little bit and just talk about the additional revenue. We have a bunch of, okay, we have a, a bunch of revenue streams that are not related to the nightly rate. We offer babysitting, translation services. We offer guests uh, a way to get to and from the airport. Um, we offer mid-stay cleaning. These are all ways that we can add revenue to our, to our business. We can also upsell and cross-sell. So when I say cross-sell, it's like, do you want fries with that? And that's like, do you want a SIM card? Do you want a portable Wi-Fi? Do you want a, an airport pickup? And upsell is... Do you want to go to a nicer property? Do you want, you know, do you want a breakfast basket? You know, what do you want? And let's upsell. You can also have affiliate agreements with third-party vendors. Ticketing, we make money from ticketing. We make money to introduce people to go and buy their Disney tickets. We figure out what our guests are needing, what they're likely to spend their money on anyway, and we help them spend their money with us, with vendors that we. Approve Vendors that we know, that we trust, that we know they're going to have a good time, they make us look good. So if we introduce them to a food tour, they have a great time and we get a commission. Happy days. Now, your revenue management is going to be linked to this branding. Knowing your guest, and again, this is a whole other seminar, knowing your guest, having a good brand, having it really well recognised in the market is the success of having a very high Nightly rate. I see a hand. Short term rentals are classed as anything under 28 days. That, so, what is the difference between a long term rental and a short term rental? A long term rental is where you actually have um, people, tenants in your property that are regular. Regular renters. So um, these are more short term. They're vacation. So short term rentals, minpaku, are vacations. They're um, vacation rentals. They're traveling. The service departments. Um, anywhere where you don't where the tenants don't feel like they're living. They're just staying part time. That would still be considered, So, a contractor that's on base for six months, um, would that be considered short term or long term? It would be considered short term because they don't, long term rentals here typically have a two year lease um, and they're not furnished and then you have to pay all the utilities. A short, if you sign up for a short term you, you just walk in with your toothbrush basically you walk in with your suitcase everything is your, your utilities are done your furniture is there the linens everything is there that's a, that's what is considered a short term so like I said it's a uh, it's a uh, I've been an interloper here with the, the real estate seminar I see another hand yes. okay so when you're working with a Minpak or country do you have a um uh, is it an industry standard for the commission um, the answer is no it's really you as the, if you're an owner and you're working with it with a country you negotiate work out what the win-win is what are you what do you expect them to do what do, what do you want to do and you figure out what works well and then you know you, you hash it out with 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 um, with how much the percentage is. So it's really on a case-by-case basis. There's no, there's no. I don't want to get in. It's really, it really, so you can go and get a, so you can go and get a bargain basement property manager that may not be taking care of your revenue management. They may just be putting any old Yahoo in your property that are gonna to, going to trash it, they're not gonna care. Or you come and work with a professional property manager, doesn't have to be me, but who is really looking after the guest experience, making sure your property is well taken care of, um, the gardening is done and all that stuff. So and if you're gonna if you're gonna pay bargain basement prices, um, sometimes that's a that's a false economy because if you're paying someone a bit higher. A um, bit higher percentage, then they could get skin in the game. They're going to maximise the profit so that you can have, so that you you can be maximised as well. Um, and the uh, anything that's an upsell or cross sell, uh, uh, that's the that's the that's the property manager's prerogative. So that's really up to them. It's all on a, so. Yes, negotiate with your property manager. So, um, be have just have, work with someone who is very transparent. Work with someone who is very clear about what they're going to be doing for you and um, and how much they're going to be paying you for it. And, and make sure that their um, their accounts are very tra- uh, transparent. I have a couple more slides, um, the, and also the other the other. Um, uh, the other myth was that you're going to be a pariah in your neighbourhood. I've proven time and time again that this is actually not the case. I work very, very closely with all the with all of our neighbourhoods. Um, we uh, we pay money to the um, uh, to the local association for fa- uh, for for festivals. We have our little we have our little uh, lantern. Um, I go into there's some restaurants where I go into and they fall on the floor. And they say your money's no good here. You know, here, have dinner on us because I've sent them so many guests, and I've sent them so many, I've sent them so many customers that they really appreciate it. So I work very closely with the other small businesses in my neighbourhood, um, and because it's it makes me look good to the guests and also in my community. So um, we have I have very very strong community ties but you've got to be very clear about what you're doing. You, you know, run around like, you know, you want to hide, what, hide your business under a bushel. Don't do that. Um, you be loud and proud that you're bringing, uh, that you're doing a great job and that you're showing guests a fantastic time, but you're also educating them very well. Just a couple more slides. So Minpaku is a full service hospitality. So it requires you to have great systems for communication and logistics, and you need to inform your guests well, and to be responsible community business, you know, a business owner. You run a business, a small business, get to know the other small businesses in your area. And you have to handhold guests through the entire experience. Now you can automate a lot of this, 100%. You can reduce the actual day-to-day workflow in as much as possible, but it's still a not a passive. And you have to have a 24-7 response system. It is not passive income, but the squeeze is definitely worth the juice. Let me just leave you with that thought. So, overall, um, it's a – so, Minpaku is a modern evolution of the Minshuku tradition. It's a hospitality business. Uh, it's sanctioned by regulation, so it's not illegal. A lot of people are saying, oh, you know, Airbnb is illegal in Japan. It is not. It is legal. You do have to be compliant and you do have to jump through a lot of hoops. And not all businesses look the, look the same. We don't have high-end luxury properties. That's not our business model. That's not our guests. That's not who we serve. Um, and that's okay. Every business, every host is different based on the type of property they have where the property is, and also who are the guests that are gonna pay to stay there. Airbnb is just one of the possible channels, and it allows for you to give guests an additional feeling of what it's like to be in Japan, um, which which the guests who come to stay with us, that's what they're buying, and they love that. They're not looking for a cheap bed, that's not what I sell. My product is a local experience. So it injects significant income and new revenue into into your communities celebrate that be proud of that i am and it's not a hotel and it's not a passive job um, it's in a class all of its own as we are so <laughs> if you want to talk to me about your minpaku I'm available, you can scan that. You can come and uh, have a Zoom call with me. Um, if you're curious about optimizing an existing minpaku, if you want to add additional revenue streams, I can show you how to do that. If you need a Tokyo property manager, I'm possibly your person. Um, I'm saying that um, we don't take on everybody. If, you, if the property is not right, um, then we can we can help you or I can coach you how to how to find the correct property manager. So it's a free 30 minute Zoom call. We have some hands. Yes. So furnishing Minpaku. Um, it's a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. So, so how do I furnish the the minpakus? Um, we use, uh, we have a lot of furniture that we'd had in storage from when we closed down a bunch of properties in 2020, so we have used all of that. I like to use, um, secondhand, secondhand, um, white goods, fridges, uh, because otherwise they're just going to waste. Anything that I buy new, that's, uh, linens, towels, they have to be new. Um, I'm not using some, Scabby- old towels or scabby- old sheets, right? But having something that's vintage um, that is in line with the, the design of the property, I always use um, vintage textile, and that's what I start with. So really it depends on who it is that you're trying to attract um, and what whether you're doing a, a low end, a mid-range, or a high. Um, and that's who you use to uh, to furnish and we use all of, we use all of the above Robert had one yeah, so is it possible to go from long-term rental to short-term rental with a property manager it depends <laughs> sorry it really depends on um, licensing compliance um, and I don't, do the, I don't do the licensing. I'm not a she or shoshi. Um, I don't do licensing. Um, I expect the person who owns the property to be responsible for the licensing. I can help. I can shepherd you through the process, but that's not my skill set. Trust me, it's not my skill set. So I think we're going to wrap it up because we have to keep going. Um, we will have a panel at the end, and also I'm available if you need any other questions. All righty.